Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We have a very special guest back with us today, Darren Chappelle. And I've invited him into the broadcast because I want to pick his brain on a number of incredible (laughs) topics. As you know, today is December 23rd. We are days away from what is called Christmas. And uh, in a brief conversation with Darren about a week ago, uh, he went into some pretty deep detail about this very subject. So we're going to get into that today and talk about You know, when was this Roman census, this taxation of the whole world? In what month did that take place? We know in the United States, April 15th is tax day. Is there a mystery there to unveil the timing of the birth of Christ? I mean, we're going to get into this. We're going to talk about it just a little bit. There's a lot going on around the world. I just saw an article from the Philippines where lawmakers, legislators were shot to death by snipers at a Christmas party. You know, the domino effect, we have to be careful. We're living in a volatile world, no doubt about it. But thank God, the birth of Jesus Christ, peace on earth in our earth, and goodwill to all who have received the the gift of God, the Messiah. Darren, good morning. God bless you, sir. How are you today? And welcome to the program. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I'm actually back in North Carolina now. So it's, it's similar weather to Arkansas, but it's good to be back home. Well, you look like you're, you're, you're an hour ahead, correct? You're like uh, right now correct. 10 o'clock? Good. Okay, good correct. old North yep. Carolina. They, they call that the Carolina blue sky, right? The Tar Heel State. Today it is. <laughs> so, yes. Awesome. All right, and I trust we're getting a good audio feed on folks listening to Blog Talk Radio. 
Darren, I was thinking about you last night, you know, because um, the last conversation we had, you touched on a number of really good topics and uh, the business that you're involved in and helping people in their financial part of their lives and uh, coming out of your military background, talked about things going on. So why don't we begin uh, just with a a few minor thoughts here. Uh, It just has to be, are you noticing anything different uh, in the last uh, week or two weeks since the last time we talked with the, the vaccination mandates, or is there anything of, of news or information worthy to share with our listeners that would further kind of equip them of what's going on with that issue? Yeah, I mean, ironically enough, even in, you know, one to two weeks' time, there's so much news. Um, you know, that's why I love the, the title of your program, you know, Watchmen, right? We're, we're called to be Watchmen in Ezekiel 33:7. you know, where he, we're on the on the walls of Jerusalem. We're, we're called to be watchmen, you know. And so, as you dig into the Word and as you start looking through things through a biblical lens, you know, and that means getting into Scripture, understanding Scripture, being able to look for the signs and the seasons, you know, being that watchman, um, you know, you start picking up on different news things. Uh, I'm sure many people have caught the president speaking. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, or maybe Tuesday uh, of this week where he basically came out, and if you really listen to his words, he essentially was speaking death to the nation. You know, he was talking about uh, severe illness and death upon the unvaccinated. You know, and if you really listen to his words, um, you know, and words have power and words have meaning, as a nation, you know, and there's certain scholars that would, that would say as a nation, um, the leader, when he speaks death or speaks curses to the nation, you know, what will be followed of that? You know, what will become of that? You know, that curse. And so, individually in our own hearts, you know, you definitely want to rebuke that spirit, you know, and, and rebuke, you know, through deliverance or through those spirits to to rebuke those words, you know, in your own home. Um, hmm. And so that's one thing I, I picked up on and, and I saw. And, and again, as a family, as a, as a household, you want to rebuke that. Uh, but two, um, there, there was a company out of Switzerland five years ago that created technology called the RFID. It's just a little microchip. And again, technology is booming faster than you know, anyone can really comp- comprehend. And recently an article out of uh, Stockholm, a company actually has created an RFID chip for the vaccine passport to allow you to kind of track and, you know, keep keep your immunization records pretty much on a little microchip the size of a, a rice grain. And you can Google this, uh, you know, the information's out there um, and read about the articles, uh, you know, read about what the president's speech was about. And so this is information that's out there, but Again, as we talked about last week, you start following those little nuggets, those signs and the seasons, and you, and you become that watchman to things that are going on. And as a believer, you know, as, a, as someone who looks through things at a biblical lens, you know, we're to be aware of those things and we're to advocate because, again, Scripture says the gate is narrow. And so when that time does come, whether it's this year, next year, 100 years from now, you know, are you spiritually ready? You know, are you prepared? You know, so when you start seeing these nuggets of information – even as a household, how do you prepare? You know, and that's why, you know, with my fan, financial business, being able to get people to a point where they're financially um, free, you know, from the oppression of a job. I've had a couple of people this week tell me about their jobs where OSHA came down and basically mandated that they have to get the vaccine or they're going to get fired. You know, and if you're financially free, you don't have that oppression. You don't have that forced coercion of, you know, laws that are unconstitutional. And so, yeah, I mean, we are we are to be watchmen, and so that's that's basically what's been new in the past past week. Um, it's that tapping at speed of light. 
It really is happening at the speed of light. And I just want to, before we go any further, I want to confirm with our uh, listeners on Facebook right now, because we were removed from YouTube, uh, that your sound is coming through loud and clear. So if you're out there on Facebook right now, I want to make sure that you're hearing Darren Chappelle. And uh, we have a great conversation ahead of us. So if somebody out there could just give us a little thumbs up or whatever as to whether or not he is being heard clearly, we would appreciate it. Looks like we're doing really good on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Darren, so what do you, you know, with RFID chips, with uh, vaccine passports, uh, the acceleration of uh, word curses on our, you know, coming from the president that we just heard this morning that um, uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris is now in contact with COVID-19, we can hear clearly great. That's what I needed to know. Thank you, Laquita, and Shirley, appreciate that. Um, so where does, where does it all go from here? What are you seeing? Yeah, and say again, babe, Omega's good? Good. We're also on omegaradio.org, so uh, getting all the technical stuff worked out. So where's it going? You know, I I foresee a time um, that's not so healthy for our nation because of all these things. Uh, What are you seeing? Well, again, you know, in in regards to the market chip, I get the technology. I've been in the IT industry for 25 years, so I get the technology. I get that people want that that ease of use, that, you know, that convenience, you know, even if you look at, you know, human trafficking, right, you know, if you have kids, you obviously, if, if your kids, you know, God forbid they're ever taken, you want to be able to track them, right? So I get the logic behind, you know, having a microchip. I, I, I get it from a technology standpoint, the convenience, you know, being able to scan payments from, you know, your right hand or left hand and having that ability. I, I get the, the, the influence that it's going to have, and it definitely will be in you know, instrumental in our path moving forward. You know, again, Scripture talks about, you know, the mark of the beast and in what form that may present itself, I don't know, but, you know, the ability to buy and sell, you know, and, and this could be that raw materials, you know, that those things to look for, right? Um, you know, being able to kind of keep up with technology, being able to kind of see what's happening, um, being aware of the power it has, the influences. Again, Satan is... Satan is um, deceiver right he deceives us you know through very very minor subtleties and you look for those subtleties and so you just got to be aware um whether it's a good or bad thing that's really yet to be determined but i definitely see it's part of that grand scheme of things and you know it's just another thing to look for okay so darren uh, just a quick question i agree we were talking about it last night um you know women don't have to carry purses any longer men don't need wallets anymore you don't have to worry about your cash being stolen your credit cards being lost Uh, You know, it is a very simple thing. Put it in there. But my question is this. uh, If somebody gets a RFID chip in their hand, uh, I know with our telephones, you know, the same chip is in our phones where all that information is stored, but you have to plug it in. You have to energize it. How does an RFID chip remain uh, plugged in, so to speak, when it's in your hand? Well, again, I don't fully understand the tech behind it. Um, you know, it, it, ha- it, ha- it transmits through what's called a near-field communication, NFCs, um, and it uses kind of your own biochemistry to energize it, you know, through ions. Because our body, you know, is, is, you know, has alkaline in it, has ions in it. And so, you know, they can feed off your own biochemistry to energize and keep, you know, the, the lights on it, you know, so to speak. And so it, yeah. it ties in through nanotechnology, ties into your own natural, um, you know, biochemistry, and uses what's called, like I said, NF, NFCs, near-field communications, to communicate to a device that would read 
the, the microchip. You know, it's just a small wow. emission of, of data that can be, and, and, you know, through technology, you can, you can transmit to it. So you can upload different, um, you know, applications to it and it can also read from it. So again, tech is moving very fast and sure. I see it, it will be part of our future. Well, between that and the metaverse and all the other things that are happening <laughs> right now, they hear right about it, the technology. My thought was if, you know, my daughter told me about a movie where people that had the chips, um, they all stood around cell towers because that's how they got energized. You know, like your right. phone needs a cell tower. And I thought, ah, that's crazy. But I thought maybe somebody else was on the end of that that could just push a button and say, okay, time for you to go. Beep. And, you know, that it, everything is gone. So, uh, but right. amazing stuff. People in Sweden, like you said, they're just lining up to take this RFID in their hand um, all over the world. Talk to us a little bit about Israel right now. I heard that 100% of the population of Israel has been vaccinated, and they're going for a fourth booster shot. What do you know about hmm. that? Well, I, have seen, I haven't seen the 100% number, but I know it was pretty high last time I looked. And, and I did see an article, I think yesterday, actually, about most people are getting their fourth shot. And again, it's, you know, it's, it's that drive. I, I posted an article on my Facebook post, you know, because I've seen several people. And again, this, this will probably get kicked off YouTube. Um, <laughs> but I've seen several people who have had chronic coughs and, you know, chronic just feeling sick all the time after getting um, the vaccination. Again, it's, it's just an observation. It's not rooted in fact. It's just my observation of seeing some friends of mine that have taken um, the shot that have had chronic coughs. And so, again, every person has to do their own research and, you know, look at what's right for you. For me, you know, it's not, it's not right for me, um, but it may be right for someone else. It's just not right for me. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously theories. There's conspiracy theories around it. Um, it's just one of the things when you look at the holistic side of it, you know, do we trust God or do we not trust God? You know, do we trust God's immunity, his protection, or do we trust science and man to give us health? You know, Jesus is a great physician, right? And so yeah. if we take away that trust, we take away his, you know, ability to heal us, then where are we at with our, with our own faith, right? And so for me, I've already conscribed to the fact that if I get it and I die from it, that's just God's timing. You know, he's the author of life, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm strong in my faith where I accept that, you know. It, it may be hard for my family to accept that, but that's just my own walk. And, and everyone has to make their own choice in that matter. Amen. And so uh, getting back to Joe Biden's speech, and, you know, I, I want to be cautious because there is so much conversation daily about this vaccinating issue. People could just say, you know what, I'm tired of hearing it. Um, however, there are important things, and there will come a time where perhaps these kind of broadcasts will not be available, and people will hear nothing but the narrative that the, uh, you know, the state wants them to hear. Uh, but in Joe Biden's speech the other day, he talked about military personnel being released to the hospitals and uh, putting up tents all over the country to assist in those unvaccinated people coming to them and getting vaccinated. Um, and then I think there was even conversation about sending out 500 million uh, testing kits to, you know, every household in America. Where do you see that going? What do you think he was referring to if you take that to its furthest conclusion? Well, again, if you talk to enough nurses and doctors and, you know, everyone on this broadcast may have friends that are in the medical field, you know, there's are, there are some people that are standing up and saying no to getting the vaccination and they're leaving. 
you know, they're, they're getting fired or they're, they're getting let go. And so, you know, not only do you have shortages of doctors and nurses, but you also have, you know, increased cases, um, whether they're unvaccinated or vaccinated in the hospitals. And so when you look at resource constraints, the, you know, Biden as a president is seeing that from a management standpoint and saying we need more people, you know, because of, because of my own policies. He'll never admit that his policies are bad, but uh, the policies that are set forth are causing these outcomes. And so, yeah, military does have a slew of, you know, nurses and doctors that they can pull from. And, you know, because he's the commander in chief, you know, he can, he can, you know, order that. So they're coming in as, you know, a way to help manage that resource constraint. Um, with your other question um, around test kits. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, every, everything, everything about fear and control is based on numbers, right? Case counts. So the more case counts you have, the more fear you can inject and the more control you can have over a population. So if everyone has test kits and they start testing for COVID, whether they have it or not, you know, if you have positive test cases, you can create more fear. And so I think it just goes part of that whole fear, you know, construct of, you know, being able to kind of control the people through fear. And that goes down to what we talked about last week is the spirit of fear and, and people are, you know, paralyzed by it. Amen. And we've seen, even in scripture, we're going to get into here in just a moment, because this is where my real heartbeat is today. I want to get into this um, in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, the birthing of Jesus Christ. And it was at that time when Augustus Caesar, uh, you know, the emperor of Rome, uh, the Caesar of Rome was calling for a worldwide census taxation. And everybody in the known world at that time had to go to the city of their birth and register in this census and taxation time. So uh, governmental power is very strong. And when people submit and yield to it, but there are always, uh, you know, the Barabbases of the day. You know, the Barabbases were the insurrectionists, and uh, there are people that resist and revolt against uh, the governmental control and power, especially in a time like this. I expect that there will be a, a faction within our society here in the United States that will actually rise up and revolt if need be mm-hmm. against forced vaccinations. Do you see the same thing? I do. And, you know, I think we talked about this last, last week where I think it's Romans 16 and correct me if I'm wrong on the scripture verses, but Romans 13, you know, we're, yeah. to res- we're supposed to respect the authority of our leaders unless they go against biblical principles. Right. And so, you know, obviously any leader that's elected has a purpose in God's eyes, you know, again, looking through that biblical lens of what is God doing? You know, what is, you know, God's moving things around on, on, you know, the world stage, he's appointing leaders. And so obviously he appointed Joe Biden for a time and a season, but if that leader goes against God's principles, then, you know, through scriptural lens, you're not supposed to follow that leader. Right. And so if you look at the party and, and, you know, what's happening with, you know, abortions with, you know, forced mandates and, and vaccinations, just holistically and, you know, even speaking curses. I mean, he basically spoke about severe illness and death upon the people. You know, that's not a, that's not a godly thing, right? You know, you don't speak curses to the nation. You speak blessings, you know? And so as a follower of Yeshua, you know, and I look through a biblical lens. Yeah. He's our leader and God appointed him, but he's not following godly principles. So do I follow him in that manner? And the answer is no, I don't No because I'm still in the military, I have to, and I'm bound by law. Um, but, you know, again, 
my heart is my heart, and that's going to obviously going to follow Yeshua. So, Amen. yeah, I see, I see, um, and if you look across the world, I mean, if you look at places like Austria or Australia, you know, and big tech is going out of the way. I mean, just like the YouTube censoring, censoring anything that's anti, you know, controversial to the messaging of the party, right? And so in Australia and Austria and even other countries, they're fining people, you know, as much as 13,000. They're putting them in prison for being out and about if they're unvaccinated. And so because we still have a constitution, we haven't done that here in America, but, you know, that's a small, thin line. Um, so, yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I, I, I think at some point it may get to that point here. Okay. I, I believe that's true. I think a lot of people are aware of that. So what I'm wanting to do is kind of uh, develop a scenario of what's going on in the world stage. Uh, we have so many crazy things. We have China, we have Russia, we have, you know, in the news about, you know, the possible war that's coming in Taiwan and Iran getting involved, North Korea, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows where this is all going? We know biblically there's a World War III. So we have all this consternation, all this stuff happening, uh, globalists around the world. Again, the fear mongering and the idea for Nebuchadnezzar to have the three Hebrew uh, boys bow down to his edict, and there are people that are just going to say, I'm not bowing whether I live or die. And so this is kind of the scenario, and it was in this type of setting uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, it is December 23rd, and Christmas is two days away, and I know you have some very strong thoughts about that. And what I would like to do is go back to Luke chapter 1, actually, is where I want to pick up and just uh, start picking your brain on these things because um, in Luke chapter one, there you know begins with this idea, and where where is it here? Well, let me just go to Luke chapter two. So Luke chapter two, verse one. Here's what we read because this is what God was doing in the world two thousand years ago while the Roman Empire was in power and making their demands upon the people, but in the secret place of Yahweh God, our Father in heaven. He was doing something. And in Luke chapter, I love Luke chapter one, and I have a lot of questions about this, but here's what it says in Luke chapter two, verse one. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be vaxxed. I mean, taxed. Okay, but you put a V there and you got a vax, right? And in verse two, and this vaccine was first, or taxing was first made with Cyrenius. Uh, the governor of Syria, and all went to be vaxxed, I mean taxed, everyone into his own city. And so then we have G uh, Joseph going up from Galilee. Now, uh, the big question I have is what was the timing of that decree for the whole world? I know for you know us here in the United States, it's April 15th. April 15th, mm -hmm. everybody pays their taxes, Okay. Um, so what are your thoughts about this? And then prior to that, we know that John, uh, Zacharias, in chapter 1, Zacharias was in the temple, the, 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 the course of Abijah, or Abaya, mm -hmm. which was the 8th. You talked about this, so why don't we just kind of open this door, get into this conversation, and uh, let us hear what it is that you have found, what you have researched about uh, perhaps the timing of the birth of Christ. Right. And, um, you know, just for the audience sake, you know, again, 
these topics can be controversial, and I get that. So there is no offense, no offense when I speak of something, so don't take any offense. It's really just my own walk and my journey. So if I say things that might be offensive, you know, I apologize. It's not my intent. But just in my own journey, you know, as I, I don't know how many years ago, but as I learned about more things in Scripture, you know, as I dug things out and started learning about the feast days that we talked about last time and the Sabbath days and even Christmas, you know, why do we celebrate Christmas? You know, what's the roots of Christmas? And started digging that out. And, and yeah, there's there's a lot of paganist practices around things such as Christmas, you know, like the putting up a tree. You know, in Jeremiah it talks about, you know, a, a tree with, with silver, and, and, and I can't remember the exact verse, but it's in Jeremiah. And you look at those things, and, um, you know, there are, there are some certain practices, right? You know, you look at St. Nick. You know, if you look at, um, and I think the original term is called Krampus. And you can look this up, and uh, Krampus was actually a demonic spirit that would bring gifts to children. And they actually taught in Germany, I think it is, where Krampus was, this, you know, this figure that would go and actually bring gifts but then steal the children. And, again, there's stories around that you can look that up. And in America, I think it was Charles Dickinson who basically remodified that to make it jolly old St. Nick, right? He, he took that storyline, changed it to, to uh, you know, St. Nick, Santa Claus, and that's what America has kind of gone forth with in the marketing campaign of, of Christmas. And, you know, again, going back to I think it's 320 A.D. Uh, when uh, Constantine was in power, uh, during that time, you know, he worshipped pagan deities, and the Pope of that time was also, um, you know, in cahoots with with the emperor, and so they honored, you know, Easter, they honored Christmas, and all these pagan dates back then, you know, worshipped the sun god. And ironically enough, every every pagan deity has a birth date of December 25th, you know, and, and that can be looked up. All the stuff can be looked up. Uh, so when you start looking at that, and during the time of Constantine, he um, he made a decree that anyone who didn't worship on these days was going to be killed. And so if you're a Jewish person during this time and you honor things like Hanukkah or the feast and you're basically decreed to, to worship these things, yeah, I mean, kind of like the vaccination where you're coerced, you're forced to honor these things, even though you may not want to. It goes against your heart, right? And so, you know, fast forward 2,000 plus years later, you know, we're honoring Christmas. And not many people really understand why we're doing it. It's become a commercialized holiday, but, you know, people get very offensive when you say, oh, you're not doing Christmas? You know, it's, it's like this, this, this shadow of, of like, wow, like you're heathen, you know. And um, so, that, so that caused me to dig into, you know, and again, this, this has really nothing to do with salvation. You know, salvation is, you know, if you, if you, in your heart, you know, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that's salvation. This is more of having that deeper relationship with God of understanding him, right, and understanding everything about it. So, yeah, if you look at Scripture and through a biblical lens you start understanding things, it really opens your eyes to a lot of things. And so in my study, um, you know, every high priest during the time of temple, there's 24 what they call courses in Scripture. I think this is uh, 1 Chronicles 24, 7 through 18, where all the high priests had to do what's called their, their priestly duties. And so they had to serve twice a year, and there's 24 courses in an entire biblical year. And Zechariah, um, who is the father of John the Baptist, uh, served during the, court, the eighth course called the Course of Abia. 
And if you look at Scripture, Scripture will basically talk about, um, and again, you have to kind of understand the high holy days, you know, like you talk about with the consensus, all the, the contextual awareness, the factors that forced certain timing during that time, and you can, you know, date this back and look at it. But there's a lot of suggestion that he served during the month of Sivan, which happens to be around the June time frame. And Scripture says, after Zechariah served in the temple in the course of Abia, he came home and Elizabeth conceived. And so we have a kind of a reckoning of time that around the June time frame, Elizabeth conceived, which is John the Baptist. And in Scripture, I think it's Luke 1:24, where we have a kind of a reckoning of time because Mary, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And Scripture says that Elizabeth was in her fifth month and I think the following verse says, in the sixth month, Mary was received by the angel Gabriel, who said, you know, joyous, you know, the blessing of the Messiah is in your womb. And so we have a reckoning of time that Yeshua is six months older than John the Baptist, right? And so scripture gives that gives us that reckoning of a time. Six months younger, where, right? Six months younger? Six months younger, yes. correct. Younger, okay. Yep. Gotcha. So so if we look at the timing, you know, in if Zechariah was conceived in June. I'm sorry, if John the Baptist was conceived in June time frame, if you fast forward six months and assume that Jesus was conceived around December time frame, that lines up perfectly with the timing of the Feast of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And Yeshua says, I am the light of the world. You know, I am the light, which lines up perfectly with the Feast of Hanukkah. And so all those things kind of line up. And again, the gestational cycle of a woman is 40 weeks. So if you fast forward that to, you know, nine months gestational cycle, then you follow in around September time frame, which is the Feast of Tabernacle. The Feast of Tabernacle is the word was made of flesh and tabernacled amongst you. Tabernacle means to, you know, to be in that community with one another, to, to you know, to just, you know, be in relationship, right? And so everything about the birth of Yeshua lines up perfectly with the feast days. And again, it's it's open to interpretation, it's open to, you know, different debates and, and different scholars have different theories. But I just let scripture reveal to me and, and again, scripture gives you the timing of the courses of Abias. You can you know you can look up that course. Um, some people might say it's in April, some people might say it's in June. Um, but you really have to kind of dig into understanding, you know, scripture, the Hebrew calendar, date it back. And you can do this. I mean, this technology is available to, to be able to date this back. But what I love about it is it just lines up perfectly with the feast days. And everything is so prophetic and everything is so orchestrated that, to me, I'm convicted in my own heart that that's the date. Again, it doesn't change the salvation story. It doesn't change, you know, really anything other than having the knowledge of, yeah, this is great. You know, this is, this is intriguing, right? It causes you to dig in. Absolutely. And, and really dive in more, because um, the more you read Scripture, the more things are, are revealed to you, right? And, you know, if you read Revelations, which is kind of what, you know, we talk about on the show sometimes is, is looking for those signs and seasons. You know, if you don't have the prophetic understanding of Zechariah or Jeremiah or even Daniel and, you know, what to look for, you know, certain things have to happen in, in a certain timing. If you're not aware, though, you know, if you're not a watchman, you will be caught like a thief in the night. And so, again, it, you know, as, as believers, you know, we're called to basically dig into Scripture and have that relationship. Amen. Okay, so this is a great launching part here. So some questions come up. 
in, in, in a comment, and and I, and I love this. I just because uh, this is what I'm hungry for. I want. I'm, I'm thirsty for this kind of knowledge. Um, I, Patricia and I were talking this morning, and we were thinking, gosh, um, if we could just know when Caesar Augustus called for that. Uh, taxation of the whole world, if we knew the timing of that, and I couldn't find it, mm-hmm. but I know it's there. But if we knew, like, for example, if it was April 15th, and we're just following the old Roman edict in April 15th here, and I'm not saying we are, but if it were, that gives you an idea that if you're supposed to be in Bethlehem, Joseph, and Mary by April 15th, then you journeyed, mm-hmm. uh, the spring was coming, you got there around April, she was fully pregnant, so right. then we know that she probably gave birth at that time if that's the case, but we don't know when the taxation was yet. And then my, my question was, because we're going to search it out, uh, if that's the case, if she was born in April or May, uh, or Jesus was born in April or May because they were there for that, which <clears throat> reasonably, again, you think, well, if everybody's going to travel all over the world, you know, hopefully it wouldn't be in the winter time. You know, that'd be harsh on people in the winter to travel anywhere in the world. So you would hope it'd be in the spring or the summer, right, which brings you back to Savan around June. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyways, but how do we know that Abijah, let's, let's say with Abijah or Abijah, uh, how do we know that his course was in Savan? What makes us believe that? And that's, uh, if you see me looking to the left, because I have this actual article up that I kind of created a long time ago that I have okay. some of the, the, these dates um, put together. Um, so I'm just going to read this. So Zechariah finished his first period of duty about the middle of Sivan, which is around June. Because of his unbelief, God struck him dumb, but his reproductive system was still working. He went home to his wife, and she became pregnant. Uh, you know, 40 weeks later, the usual period of gestation, we get the month of Nisan the following year. Beginning of the 14th, month, the 14th of Nisan and lasting for eight days, we have the festival of Hassah, which is Passover, which roughly coincides with Easter on the Christian calendar. This raises the distinct possibility that John the Baptist was born at Passover, which coincides with the Jewish expectation that Elijah would come at Passover. So, and, and again, if you, mm. if you understand Passover and you do the Sadar, you always put a chair out for Elijah. You know, right. John the Baptist was always kind of symbolic yeah. as Elijah, right? And mm-hmm. so, again, That's that good. follows the pattern and the archetype. Um, the Jews always put an extra cup of wine at the table of Pesach in hope of Elijah will come back and drink. Uh, so if John the Baptist was born in Passover, Jesus must have been born during the high holy days of Sukkot. In Luke 1, 26 and 36, we are told that Jesus was six months younger than John. It would also indicate that Jesus was conceived during the time of Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, in which Jesus is the light of the world. He also healed a blind man during this festival, bringing light to a blind man. When the decree went out for everyone to go to their homes and to be registered, Joseph and Mary set off for Bethlehem. They would have set out in a good time before Mary was fully 40 weeks pregnant because uh, she wouldn't want to have been, you know, joshed around on a donkey being 40 weeks pregnant. Um, and so they would have also wanted to complete their journey before Rosh Hashanah, which is the biblical uh, or the new year in the, in the Jewish calendar. Um, so we're given a clue about the time of the birth by the angel who appeared to the shepherds and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and tidings and great joy, which shall be to all the people in Luke 2.10. There are actually two clues here. Sukkot is the festival of joy. It's also known as the festival of the nations. The angel is actually giving them a greeting for the festival of Sukkot. This is the only festival where the nations are positively encouraged to participate. 
and that's in Zechariah 14, 16 through 19. During Sukkot, the Jews construct flimsy shelters called Sukkots, or tabernacles, using wood and leaves, and eat and sleep in them. This is to remember how they were completely dependent on God as they wandered for 40 years in the desert as they came out of Egypt. So again, we kind of, you know, Scripture just paints the picture, paints the patterns of things to follow, you know, and it gives you this whole reckoning of time. Again, if you just kind of map it down, it's just, you know, it gives you chills sometimes when you actually kind of read it. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So that that just gives you kind of a a temple, uh, a reckoning of time. And also in in Luke 2.21, eight days later, um, Jesus had to be circumcised, you know, by Jewish law. And so, again, when you look at all the timing of things, you know, the the feast days, you know, how things line up with Elijah. I mean, everything everything just is is a great pattern to follow. The Bible kind of interprets itself, and, you know, I've never heard that put in the context that way, that John the Baptist, in the spirit of Elijah, mm. born during Passover, which is why they do put the chair. I remember we've had many satyrs, and that extra chair is there. Uh, that, that really fits in. And tabernacles, you know, the great feast of tabernacles, uh, he tabernacled among us. So, yeah, I see a great pattern there. And so what is it that, um, and and we attempted to do this for years, as we've hosted the Feast of Tabernacles for over 30 years, um, to see that as our quote-unquote Christmas, we never called it that, um, but to see that as the time of the birthing uh, of Yeshua and celebrate, and we've always celebrated for seven or eight days uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles. So I think that's well said. I think that's well said. What else do we have? Sorry, I lost the audio for a second. Can you repeat that? Yeah, what else do we have? I mean, that was that was well said. Uh, hold on a second. Like I said, Apple AirPods. <laughs> Don't buy them. <laughs> That's my advertisement. <laughs> oh, I thought it was your Christmas list. <clears throat> uh, Apple AirPods, well, the Christmas last, list. The batteries last like 20 minutes. <laughs> um no, again, if you keep, if, you know, keep reading, you know, kind of understanding, you know, um, with the timing of, of Passover, with Sukkot, um, and just kind of seeing, you know, again, Jewish Jewish tradition, right? You know, what happens during a time frame? You know, what where do they have to be? You know, where do they have to worship? And kind of just understanding all that. Um, so starting starting from Zechariah um, and John the Baptist, we get, you know, we get the temple structure. You know, we get the courses that's identified. Um, and again, that that can obviously be debated or interpreted differently, but you know, scripture seems to align with this storyline. Um, you know, scripture pulls out all the information of timing. You know, and and you, and you can date this back. You know, because understanding when Passover happens, when Sukkot happens, when when Hanukkah happens, it just everything seems to line up perfectly. And so, you know, just to kind of rehash, it just everything just lines up perfectly for me. Um, and again, so in my heart, I'm convicted that. The timing is so, but again, it doesn't change anything with salvation. It's just a deeper understanding, you know, as you dig into scripture more and you, and you want to learn about your Messiah, you know, and have that relationship with God. It's just going on those dates, as I say, you know, learning more about your Messiah. And, and the, the more you dig in, the more you, you reveal things, the more you learn, uh, you know, that scripture relies on other books of, in the Bible. You know, Revelation relies heavily on mm-hmm. the Old Testament, you know, mm-hmm. some of the prophets. But if you don't know what to look for, you know, how can you be that watchman? If you don't read the scripture, um, you know, how can you be that watchman? How can you know what to look for if you don't understand, 
what God's putting in front of you. Amen. You know, the scripture or a passage of scripture that comes to my mind is going back to Matthew 17, uh, Mark chapter 9, I think it is, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a high mountain apart, and it was on the seventh day, and he takes these Mm -hmm. three apostles, and what happens? He's transfigured before them, which means he's outraying, he's putting on display that, let let me do this, hold on a second. Are we good? Okay, so he's outraying, he's putting on display, the light within him, he's effulgencing it forth, and Peter says, let us make three tabernacles, which gives you kind of a, an idea that this event of going up into the Mount of Transfiguration, as we call it, was a, uh, was a time maybe during his birthday where he takes them up and he's effulgencing, the light that's within him is now shining forth, he sees Moses and Elijah, let's make three tabernacles, now this is my son, hear him. Um, you know, these kind of events do connect because, again, there's light shining out of him, uh, maybe on his birthday. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, and we talked about transfiguration. You know, some would even argue transfiguration happened during the time of um, a Day of Atonement, right? And, and so, again, there's scripture that could point to that. I don't have the exact Good. verse in front of me, but there is some suggestions there. Um, again, once you kind of, and that's why I love the feast. You know, I love the spring feast and the fall feast because once you understand them, once you actually do those traditions, and again, traditions are what you have in your own home, um, you know, God is the authority of time. And so we don't have a reckoning of time in our current date. You know, if you, if you date it back to the time of the Sanhedrins, uh, which were the high priests, when they were cast out to Babylon, we lost that reckoning of a time. But, you know, if you looked at Israel, you know, and kind of keep up with, you know, the moon phases and kind of at least have some contextual awareness of timing of when these things happen, things start to align in Scripture. And, again, New Testament, Old Testament, they all point to honoring the feast. Um, you know, I think God says in the Exodus where I am your God forever, you know, from generation to generation, you know, do these things as, as a as a vote, right? You know, mm-hmm. a, a, a remembrance of me. And so... You do them as a blessing. You, you know, a lot of people look as it's a Jewish thing, right? And, and they want to cast cast those curses and say it's it's only for a certain group of people. It's not. It's for it's for all God's people, and it's a blessing yeah. because once you understand them, you start seeing how things align, and you start knowing signs and seasons to look for. Again, to, back to your census, you know, seeing how that lines up with with current day events. You know, because again, everything in Scripture has a pattern, right? And everything aligns and will align to what God has already showed us in other stories. Again, even the, even the, the story of Joseph and his brothers, you know, that gives a foreshadowing of other events. So everything in Scripture has foreshadowings, has different patterns, and God's basically painting a picture of, hey, here's, here's the storyline, and I'm giving you all these signs and seasons, but it's up to you to look for them. Amen. And so I'm thinking as, as we're having the conversation, um, you know, there's a woman in the book of Revelation in chapter 12, and it's, I know it's within the constellations, but there's a woman in travail. She's, she's yearning to give birth to a man-child. She's giving birth. So we're getting back to a birthing season. And when is that happening? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of a dragon-inspired, you know, global world system. 
and it brings me back to the understanding that while all this stuff is going on in the world right now that we're paying a lot of attention to and seeing a lot of signs of the times, that right in the secret place of this moment, God is doing something. And I get the, you know, the, the sense in my heart that what God has been working towards is to bring forth a birthing that the firstborn son of God has already been birthed. He's been uh, resurrected. He's at the right hand of God. He's seated down. He's got his kingdom. It's never going to be shaken, but he's the firstborn of many sons. And that maybe what is ready to transpire in this world right now is the birthing of the sons of God, the huias, the mature ones who walk with him in his likeness. And, uh, you know, that would be an incredible event that would line up what was happening 2000 years ago. Your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you know, Scripture talks about birthing pains, right? The birthing pains yeah. of, you know, events to follow. You know, as birthing pains get closer, as a woman goes through, and again, I'll never articulate being a woman going through that pain, <laughs> but but Scripture talks about the birthing pains, meaning getting closer to that birth, you know, the the revealing of the Messiah, and you know, again, now every generation has said they're in the end times, right? And I think I was, I don't know if I was talking to you about this, but you know, if you look back at the time of, you know, Hitler, they thought they were in the end times, you know, and, and every generation has a cycle where they think they're in the end times. But what makes this different is that, you know, Israel became a nation in 1947-48, um, where you have a reckoning of time. You have kind of a, a pinpoint of time that starts that clock, right, because all the prophecies pointed to Israel having to become a nation again, and that was when the clock started. And so... Now you have this reckoning of time, and again, you can get into the studies of Daniel, you know, where you talk about the 70 years um, and so many, you know, 1260 days, and all the, all those dates, you know, everyone, there's been scholars upon scholars trying to figure out those dates and trying to, you know, find a time frame. Um, and again, it's there's there's suggestions there, there's there's evidence there, but it's more important to really know in your heart that you're spiritually ready, right? And if you're not spiritually ready and you don't know what to look for. Then you're, then you're not going to be ready. And so we have a reckoning time. We're getting those birthing pains as things are getting closer. You know, we're, have, we're having wars and rumors of wars. We're having, you know, technology that can, you know, suggest the mark of the beast potentially. So we have all these things that are building up, you know, and with more um, speed, right? Like even just my daughter having visions and, and speaking in tongues and just I'm seeing more people getting the knowledge and coming closer, you, I guess scripture talks about dividing, right? And I think it's, I can't remember the verse, but um, God says, I'm not come, I'm not come to bring peace. I've come to divide basically, you know, fathers will, you know, sons will go against fathers, mothers against daughters, you know, and I can't remember that verse, but it, he's not it's talking about 13. peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's talking about division, you know, he's, he's, he's dividing his flock, right? He's dividing them into, you know, refining them into believers. You know, cleaning the unclean, cleaning, cleaning the ones that are not believers, and moving them to a point where you're starting to see more people align and understand these things of God. I mean, I'm seeing more people come to understanding of the feast days, right? Um, you know, that hasn't happened in the past five years, but I'm seeing more of this. And again, is it prophetic of something? I don't know. It's just my own observations is that things are getting more birthing pains closer to that revealing of the Messiah. So... Amen. Yeah, it's intriguing to watch, you know, and then we're, you know, we're definitely in the end times, um, and it's about being ready. It's about, you know, understanding and, and being spiritually ready. 
Amen. And, and so we talk about a birthing of Christ in us. And you talked about Israel, 1947, 1948. They were born again. I mean, there you have a born-again nation, yeah. if you will. And we have been born again by the Spirit of God. And in our generation, I do believe that part of the plan of God in the secret place, while all this craziness is going on, that there are people who have been locked in with the Lord, intimate with him, who have been impregnated with that seed. We're born again of incorruptible seed. And that seed is about to reproduce after its kind, which is Christ-likeness. And there will be a bringing forth. And when that happens, wow, what a burst of light shall come upon the face of the earth when you think about all over the world, men and women of God manifesting forth that glorious divine nature that has been planted in them. Uh, What an amazing time to be alive. Uh, Darren, and we are not to be afraid of what's going on. We are to understand. Um, Before we shift, uh, any final thoughts about this conversation? Because I want to get into a little bit about what you're doing uh, to help people, a little bit about your business, what you're you're, uh, touching right now in your life, and uh, maybe how some people could be benefited. Even in the time of insanity and chaos and confusion, we still have to live our lives uh, that God right. has given us. So talk to us a little bit about what you're doing if, uh, if, if you think we've exhausted uh, the conversation <laughs> concerning the birth of Christ, which I know we haven't. <laughs> yeah, I could never exhaust talking about Scripture. But uh, a quick uh, side point to, your, to the seed conversation, you know, again, if, if anyone's intrigued to look at, you know, the study of Nephilims, right, the Nephilims were giants of the time during the Philistines. And, again, if you study Scripture enough, you'll kind of see that, Satan was trying to plant seeds or impregnate earthly women through different angels. And, you know, he he wanted to corrupt the seed to ruin the bringing forth the Messiah. So, you know, Satan's goal was to corrupt that seed. And, you know, how it relates to current day, well, what are you seeing more so? You're seeing, um, you know, more satanic things being happening, right? You're seeing... Uh, it's, it's kind of in your face now, right? At the UN, you had that statue, which was basically a revelationary statue of a leopard with wings. You you see more things like Astral World, you know, the satanic. Um, and actually, I think I read an article where in Illinois, they had the goat called, um, uh, I want to say Black Blackman. It's basically, uh, yeah. Baphomet. Where people basically, and again, it's their First Amendment right, so I get that. But they put forth a baby. Um, you know, pagan deity. So you're seeing more of it. It's, it's more brazen. It's more um, in your face. And so, yeah, there, I think there's a corruptible seed that's occurring before the birthing of the Messiah. So it kind of aligns up with, with that timing. Um, but to get back to the other question, uh, yeah, for me, you know, I'm not stopping. I'm not, I'm not living in fear. I'm not, you know, putting my head between my legs and, and not moving forward. I'm pursuing my master's degree. I'm starting my master's degree in January. Um, I have a business of investments, so I, I teach. Uh, I have a company called Invest for Life, uh, and so I do a mentorship program where it was always my goal to help people become financially uh, independent, as we talked early on in the show, where I wanted to give people the opportunity to basically retire or not be dependent on a system that's corruptible. Um, and so that was always my goal. And, again, I don't charge anything for it. It's, it's free sessions that I give. Uh, to help people learn everything about the financial markets, you know, from zero knowledge to more advanced knowledge to learn everything about doing investing. Um, and so I teach people those skills, um, and I have a mentorship page that 
you know, I do daily posts. I, I, I give people enough information to where if they want to trade, if they want to invest, they can. You know, it's certainly a choice and it's certainly um, something they have to kind of own and, and work towards. But I give them the, I give them the information, and that is always my goal is to help people. And so with my master's degree, which is going to be in financial planning, that just gives me one more edge to help people plan for future. Again, I'm not going to stop living. I'm not going to stop, you know, and, and have this doom and gloom uh, mentality. I'm still going to move forward. I'm still going to live. Um, until that day they arrives, and just knowing that I'll be spiritually ready for when that day arrives. Amen. <clears throat> Which is, I, I call that balance personally, not compromise, yeah. not double-mindedness, but balance, because it's always in the midst of the chaos and the confusion that God is working. And uh, right now, if there's opportunity for people to um, you know, receive of the transfer of wealth. I mean, every time the church is going into the wilderness or Israel is going into the wilderness, there does have a biblical pattern of people receiving a transfer of wealth from the Egyptian empire to the Israeli people, and they take it into the wilderness with them. And I do believe that consistent with scripture, that the ecclesia of God, there are some that are going into the wilderness. And I know that God is wanting to assist in their uh, their, their transport into the wilderness so that they won't squander it on golden calves, but they will be more prepared to prepare for a time that they're going to have to go through. And whatever that time of going through is, we know that you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. So foresight tells you that you need to have some wealth to be able to get things that you cannot depend will be at the corner grocery store, you know, in a period of time. So uh, with the transfer of wealth that is coming, and you're assisting people in that if they're willing to do so, uh, what do people do with their money, in your opinion? I mean, people can spend money however they want, you know, do whatever you want. But what are some wise things to do when the transfer of wealth comes to the people to get them prepared to go into the wilderness? What are you seeing? That's kind of funny, even going back to this whole vaccination uh, conversation. You know, like sometimes I'll do, I'll do, because I, I, I've been in IT for 25 years, so sometimes I'll get contracts. Um, for IT work, and one came to my desk uh, actually this week where they wanted to offer me a position. And sometimes I'll take them, sometimes I'm not. But I love having the flexibility to to do whatever I want to do. And so this one came, and and they wanted me to have my vaccination or report my status of my vaccination. And I basically said, look, it's none of your business. This is basically I'm not taking a job because I'm offended you asked me. <laughs> so. What I love about investing is that I can do those things. I can say no. Um, I don't have to work. Um, I can do whatever I want to do, and that's why I'm pursuing my master's degree. Um, and for me and my money, again, I have land. I have um, over 20 acres of land, and so for me, I'm I'm going to be building my garden. Um, you know, kind of putting money to work and having an alternate food source. Because yeah, there there may be a time. It may be this year, next year. I don't know, but. Um, to have a garden, to have an alternate food source in case I can't buy or sell because me personally, I'm not getting the vaccination. I'm actually probably going to get discharged from the military as a result of my refusal, but I'm not going to get the vaccination. Uh, and so that will have, you know, complications, obviously. That will be a persecution by the world system, um, and I may not be able to buy or sell. And so I want to have an alternate food source. So for my money, I'm doing things like, you know, looking at gardens, looking at infrastructure-wise, you know, with my land, you know, having the ability to, you know, fortify my land even, you know, with defensiveness or, uh, you know, food sources, you know, living off the grid. You know, I have – I'm not really getting into a full-fledged prepper mode, but 
uh, just common sense things, you know, solar, uh, generators, you know, just things that I'll use regardless of what happens, you know, just from a economic standpoint, you know, from a cost of living, like my solar gives me free electricity. Um, so even just from a, I would do this regardless of anything that happens. So anything I do, I do it in a common sense approach to where I'm not, I'm not getting down a rabbit hole where I'm living in a, in a box under the ground, right? <laughs> which, which I know something I've done. I, I don't want to get to that stage because I do think there's a balance of sanity, right, that you have to conform to. But, you know, I use my money to prepare, um, which makes sense. But there are different asset classes. I mean, we're in a high inflationary environment. The, the feds, the FOMC, said they're going to raise rates three times this coming year. And what that does to an asset classes will obviously drop them. Um, mortgage rates will go down in terms of being able to afford a house because, you know, you go from a 2% interest rate, you know, to maybe a 5% interest rate. People won't be able to afford that. And so real estate prices may uh, stabilize potentially. Uh, stocks may fall probably mid, mid-year. Stocks will probably fall once that occurs. And again, when we talk about patterns in the scripture, there's patterns in the stock market. Patterns with, you know, a year that ends in two uh, from a decennial standpoint suggests that the market sells off mid-year. So, you, you know, you look at all these things and, and where do I put my money? Well, I'm always in the market. You know, I'm in the market right now. I have my charts up in the background. Or I'm always trading. I'm always investing. Um, it might be short-term. It might be long-term. Uh, gold. Gold is always, you know, seen as a hedge against inflation. But gold and silver is a manipulated currency just like anything else. Um, you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a asset that is purely emotional. Um, I've pondered it many times. You can't deny the, the return on investment, the ROI. But there's no regulatory behind it. There's there's no underlying, you know, hard asset underneath it. It's, it's purely emotionally based. You can have Elon Musk send out a tweet and drive Bitcoin down 10%. So when, I, when you have asset classes like that, you better be uh, ready for the ride, I guess. I'll say that. Um, because it will be a ride. Um, you might make, you know, twenty thousand dollars in a couple of days and you may lose twenty thousand. So you have to be ready for that ride and you have to be willing to accept that. And that's where, you know, in part of my teaching I teach about risk management. You know, how do you manage your risk, you know, for an certain asset class. Um, if you look at all the financial instruments across the board, stocks have consistently outshined any uh, financial asset. You know, they pay on average for the past hundred years a ten percent return on the S and P. And so when you look at those things yeah, I mean, you have to put your money to work. You have to. You, ha- you can't leave it in the bank doing nothing. You have to find something that's going to beat inflation. Inflation currently is around 6.8% from a government number. From a realistic number, it's probably about 9%, you know, plus or minus. So you have to have things that are going to beat inflation. Otherwise, you're chasing debt. And so where is that? I mean, it's usually the stock market. Stock market is usually the best place to, play, to place money. Okay, this is, uh, I, I think we're getting into some uh, excellent information. Uh, yeah, I love this. And, and what I'd like to do, I'd like to take us back uh, just for a moment to the book of Genesis, uh, the beginning. And, and, and I, I really believe this. I believe this is part of God's economy, the way that God does things. Uh, when I go back to Genesis chapter 2, let's see if we could ex- uh, discover a few things here. In Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostril, and the breath of life, the man became a living soul. So we get that. Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden 
eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So for every one of us who are following God or part of God's economy, the first thing God does when he apprehends our lives, he gives us a home. The home for Adam was a garden. So you have to, in these last days, consider these minor things. You need a place, and and it's a selected place. It's a a place that God has uh, brought forth, and he puts you in it. Okay, so you're in your garden you're in a place of home. Then the first, the next thing that happens, uh, it says, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So not only does God want you to have a place, but he wants you to have food. And then in uh, verse 10, a river went out of Eden to water the garden. So the next thing that we need to have is water. Okay, this is God's economy. And then if we keep going down the list here, uh, it became four heads, and it talks about those four. And it's interesting in verse 11, the name of the first is Pishon, and that is which compasses the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. So now we talk about gold, there's an economy here. So we have an economy of God that we take with us, and it's going to be around us. This is God's provision. And then right. we see in, in verse 12, uh, the gold of that land is good. It's Delian, the onyx stone. So we're talking about the economy of uh, precious stones. The name of the second river is Gihon. Uh, the name is encompasses the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third, it gets into uh, the river Hittichel, which is, goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Uh, and there's a lot to those four names if we wanted to break that open. Uh, quickly, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress and keep it. So labor. So I see in verse 15, uh, the fifth thing that God gives to man is a place to labor, to take care of. You want to take care of that garden. You want to take care of your food source, your water supply, uh, your, the economy that God gives you. And uh, then in verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Okay, so there's food again. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For the day that you eat of it, therefore you shall die. So what I see here is God gives a commandment. God is the lawgiver. God says what you can do and cannot do. We need to have that to maintain order in whether it's our own homes or a community or a society. So God gives a, uh, the authority that he has uh, to be the one that gives the commands. And then uh, verse 18, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. And, of course, God brings family, marriage, wife. So, again, I see family in the order of God. So whether it's the spiritual family of God, your own personal family. um, And then he gave him what? In verse 19, uh, verse 18, the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmeet. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name. So now he's giving man authority to name. Uh, He's got his wife and family. So what I'm getting at, uh, Darren, is that we're going into the wilderness. We're going into a time of God's economy. The economy of the world we will not be able to use ultimately because it's a system that you can't buy or sell without the mark. So God has an economy, and the transfer of wealth, and I think these simple, basic things in Revelation uh, or Genesis 2, how things were at the beginning, so shall it be at the end. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, 
I really never thought about Genesis in that way, but it, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it just adds to more yeah. of the clarity of things, right? You know, the clarity of having food, you know, and even gold as a barter system. You know, you can buy from places like APMEX, which is a wholesaler of gold. You can buy little um, grams of gold. And, you know, if, if times got to that point, you could barter. Um, I always like to look at history as a guide to what could happen in the future. You know, you never really can fathom what what would drive emotions of people to do certain things. You know, you look at cases like uh, New Orleans during Katrina, how people acted, how how events unfolded. You look at uh, historical evidence of, I think it's, I want to say Venezuela during 1999. So they were uh, the third richest country, and they basically economically collapsed. And... There's a report, and I have to dig it up, but there's a report that basically a guy, a person is on the street and kind of wrote an account of what transpired, you know, what worked, what didn't work. And from those things, you learn you learn how people react. You learn, you know, what works from uh, getting resources. You know, gold jewelry, right? Gold jewelry was used as bartering during that time um, for food or for gasoline. Again, I have no idea what a collapsed America would look like, you know, um, if, if you talk about things like economically speaking, uh, you might have more chaos and looting. Um, and clearly you see that just through small events, right? You have mass looting and crime and there is no chaos yet. I mean, you know, Revelation talks about all these events that are going to transpire and we're not even there yet, but you see crime across the country just from little things, just from high inflation and, and just, you know, how people act. And so you, you magnify that on a larger scale, you might need a sanctuary, right? You may, you might need a sanctuary that you have a food source, you have a water source, you know, you have protection, you know, in that garden. And I think at some point we may be there, right? I just don't know when that will be, but God gives us these, again, archetypes in scripture uh, and patterns to follow where, hey, he's saying, hey, here's, here's provisions that you need, you know, to sustain you and, and, he gives you that wisdom to acquire that, right? And so yeah, That's I think right. I think there's a reason for those verses. I think I think again it's a time and a season where we may be in those places where we need those, you know, the garden or that water source. You know, we may need gold to barter. Um it's a it's a preparedness, right? It's 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 a logical preparation to where you're not getting into the mindset of I lost you. Did you hit a button? Did... Yeah, I just lost that last sentence. Uh, just going back to something you said while, you, while we're getting that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so you brought up Katrina. Uh, there was a prophetic dream that was given years ago that when everything comes to its fullness in, in, in this country, that we would witness Katrina times a thousand and that we would see people fleeing from one side of the country to another side of the country, that there, it would be Katrina times a thousand. And that is the environment that is coming. So how important is it to be in your Garden of Eden, having your food, having your water, and, of course, that food, the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation. So there's medicine, there's that resource as well to have what you need to take care of you and your family, your community. So I think God is unveiling a mystery to us of what we need to do to prepare because it is, you don't want to be out there 
when this time comes. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and those are great examples. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think you look at events like Katrina or Venezuela or even just anywhere around the world, um, Greece, Egypt, you know, you look back five, ten years ago, uh, the collapse of Greece, you know, the riots, the, the violence, the, the chaos. I mean, that's, that can happen. That, and history showed it will happen. As an individual neighborhood, what does that look like? That's hard to say. I mean, I, I would anticipate high crime. I anticipate people going to rich areas and, you know, attempting to loot. And, you know, and this, this assumes there's a breakdown in law and order. You know, this assumes that chaos has ensued and that we need those. But, yeah, I mean, I think sanctuaries are good. I think, you know, they offer protection. They offer food sources. But we shouldn't live in that fear paradigm. We shouldn't, we shouldn't discount the blessings of God and um, the provisions he provided, you know, and, and praying for those hedges of protection around you, right? Um, Absolutely. And so maybe your Garden of Eden is an apartment building. Now, if in your apartment right. building in the city you say, that's my Garden of Eden, well, make sure you have your food, you have your water. How are you going to pay the bills? How do you live in an apartment if you can't buy or sell? How are you going to pay your mortgage? How are you going to pay for your dentist? How are you going to pay for your insurance? How are you going to operate right. in a world at this point? And, and I don't know if there's an exact answer except for God puts you in a place that he will protect and there will be food and water and work and labor and finance, you know, everything you need to be doing. Uh, I think it's a lot of wisdom right now out of the scriptures. Well, if you look at, even going back to, you know, the mark of the beast and what that may or may not look like, I mean, as subtle as things are now where people are co-horsed, you know, through money, I mean, people are taking a vaccine through the fear of losing their job. Right. And that's something small. Think of something magnitude of the mark of the beast when you have actually Satan reigning over the people and you're supposed to take a mark of the beast. How subtle will that be? How, you know, how much pressure would that be where you might not be able to buy or sell? So if you can't buy or sell food, where are you going to go? If you're in a small apartment or a small house, you know, what are your options? And that's, you know, again, that's the, the preparation of the mind. Again, not living in fear, but just you know, thinking it through of, you know, what does this look like? Um, as an example, um, water source. You know, I have a pool. I have a creek. Um, usually there's a water source of some sort around most people, whether it's a lake, a creek, a river. Well, most people would probably get sick from drinking the water because, you know, it does have contaminants. Okay, so logically speaking from a, you know, school of thought, how do I filter out contaminants? Well, there's Simple things like a, a Berkeley water filter. I'm not, I'm not advertising for anybody. That's just what I've used. Um, but Berkeley water filter, for, for instance, I can get 600 jugs filled up on a filter. So, you know, again, if I'm, and it's a small little, you know, 16-ounce uh, water bottle, then I can go to any stream, the worst of water, I can fill up and have a water source. So it's, it's small things like that to think ahead and say, okay, what are my options? You know, if I have some small gold on hand, I can barter that for a bag of groceries or a tank of gas to get to somewhere safe. You know, I know you have a place that you're, you're looking at building and offering a sanctuary for people, um, you know, and has a food source, water source. And even for me, I have 23 acres of land, you know, and then that time and season comes where people need to park on my land and have a, a source, you know, I'm just blessed that I've been able to provide that. Um, so, so, so it gets to the point of you have to kind of just logically and, you know, consciously think about 
the possibilities, right? The possibilities are there. Uh, evidence of Katrina and Venezuela and all these other uh, places in history show us examples of what can happen, show us the chaos that can ensue, and you have to be prepared for that. Amen. And getting back to something you just said a moment ago, uh, this showed up in Joe Biden's speech as well the other day. When he looked into the camera, he said, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. And that's what they're doing. You know, in Daniel, it talks about the Antichrist that will wear out the saints. And so one of the ways people will begin to capitulate is they're getting fed up. They're getting tired. Come on, enough of this. You want to get back to normal. And so through this continual you know, talk, speak into that. Yeah, I mean, even for myself, I'm I'm tired of hearing about Omicron. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, just, it's exhausting. I mean, it's, it's over 600-plus days. It's over two years that we've been, you know, for the most part locked down, you know, to where it's not normal. And I don't think America will ever get back to a place of normalcy. I think there's so much divisions politically, um, you know, vax versus unvax. Um, I think there's just so much division and again, that's another you know birthing pain as we talked about earlier. Things to look for. Um, so yeah, I mean he's. He, I, I agree. There's a wearing down of saints, um, and you know you might get to the point where you're so worn down, you're like, fine, I'll just get the vaccination. You know, I'll do it because I want to travel or I want to, you know, I want to be able to you know go to the restaurant. You know, I mean in D.C., the mayor of D.C. just said. You know, unvaccinated can't go to any restaurants, bars, or any events. You know, and that's a discrimination. But there's laws in place, but clearly they're ignoring laws. You know, and so hmm. you use, again, that as an example of being worn down to where you might be susceptible to taking the vaccination. You know, and again, it's, it's a personal choice. You know, I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't, but you have to look at the bigger, the bigger picture. You have to watch out for compromise. We had one of our elders in the church had a dream. It was an amazing dream he shared. I shared it last night on the on the broadcast. But uh, in his dream, he showed how how easy anybody in this time of difficulty could compromise. And one little compromise could open a door to a larger compromise that causes people their lives. You know, uh, when I go back to Genesis and I see the environment that God is basically wanting to bring us to, a garden, a place, whatever that is, have food, water, and economy, labor, family, and in his authority, you know, the, uh, the commandments of God. At the time in the garden, the only commandment that God gave to Adam was, don't eat of this tree, eat of these trees. Don't do it. And I believe that the law that has to abide in someone's home, their garden, whatever it is, the law of love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, on these two hang all the law and the prophets, so I think that you have to be in a community, wherever that is, where the genuine agape love of God, not sloppy agape, but the true love of God, where people are, you know, together in a family, in a home, or in a community, wherever, that must be the law of that community or that family. And I think um, that's what is going to be uh, required of us in the days that we're in here. So um, I want to ask our listeners a question. Have you been brought to the place that God has called you to? Has he taken you and brought you into the garden, your garden? Uh, do you have food on hand so that you cannot go to the grocery a year from now? Do you have enough food to sustain you for a period of time? Do you have a place where you do have a water source? The Berkey filters are amazing. We have Berkey filters as well. Uh, are you, do you have access to water? Do you have those filters where you could drink the dirty water and, and if you need some water? 
you can only live three days without water. Darren, you know that. And so uh, on, on most cases, uh, do you have an economy? Have you been saving? Do you have some things to barter with? Do you have sugar, coffee, whatever, uh, a little finances, whatever that is, tangible. God's currency, the Bible says gold and silver is mine, saith the Lord. So having gold and silver is God's currency in my understanding. Um, and then always be prepared not to be lazy in your family or community, but put your hand to a plow and work and make sure that that environment stays clean. Labor in the spirit, labor in prayer, labor in physical duty. Uh, take care of your family. And if you don't have family and you don't have a spouse and you don't have children, but you're part of a community, that's your family. God gave that to you. But it would be good for people to have their own spouses during this time and their own family. So, you know, these are important things. And it's all happening right now, and maybe God is just wanting to compel us a little bit more. Take these things serious. I'm I'm looking to you right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I want to bring up a couple points. You know, like um, we talk about division, right? And what is what is um, the government? You know, I like to say the spirit of, of Satan is running through some of these people. You know, what is Dr. Fauci or some of these, um, you know, bureaucrats saying that you shouldn't even meet together in your own home on Christmas, right? You know, they're trying yeah. to divide the family, divide the, you know, divide people in their own homes, break those families apart. You know, how much infighting has occurred already where families aren't inviting other families because of a vaccine? I mean, it's, it's the most yeah. ridiculous thing that you're willing to forget, you know, Forget the love of a, a blood relationship or family because of a vaccine, a medical, you know, um, instrument. And they're telling you this. They're, they're, you know, cursing you that you shouldn't do these things. They're dividing people. And that's what Satan does. He's a divider. So when you talk about the authority of a leadership and they're not following God, God doesn't want division. You know, he, he wants, you know, unity in the families. Um, and, Amen. again, going back to your point of just – you know, surviving. I mean, you can even take, uh, gosh, what's called, uh, uh, if you take the small beans, you can actually add a little bit of water and they'll, they'll sprout, sprouting. Um, so you can have a, a large jar of beans, which could last six months easily, which is a small food source. Sprouting has so much nutrients in a small little bean, more than a salad, you know. So, again, it's, it's using that wisdom that God gives you to look at what makes sense? You know, if I can only afford a, a jar of beans and a Berkeley water filter, you're probably, you know, more more prepared than most people are, you know. And, again, to your point, it's about being prepared. It's, it's, it's looking at the events that are unfolding, um, you know, looking at where things are going to head to and being prepared. Again, not, not in fear, but just, you know, being mentally prepared to handle these situations because a prepared mind, you know, is, is a ready, ready mind. You know, and it may never come to pass, but if you're spiritually ready, you're mentally prepared, you know, and your own little garden, your own little Eden is prepared, you know, God will pro- God will protect. God will, you know, have provisions. And if you do Amen. succumb to, to the wills of, of man, you know, be blessed that, you know, you've been persecuted by, by the system and, and, you know, God will glorify you in that. Amen. You know, you were talking about the division and, you know, the old saying, dividing, conquer. And Mm -hmm. Jesus talked about a time that men would um, experience, you know, five against 
two or three against two, and sons yeah. would rise up against their fathers and fathers right. against their sons, mothers against their daughter-in-laws. You know, it talks about a time where division, and this is also biblical that is happening right now because this issue about vaccination is about dividing people and friends and, you know, families and relationships. I mean, it's very real. And it's happening right now before our very eyes. Another sign of the times. Yeah, if you look at, and I'd love to do a study with you on, on the show about the tabernacle. I think we talked a bit about it when I was up there in Arkansas, um, about the tabernacle was constructed to where every little component has a purpose. You know, you talk about community. Even, even the ropes holding up the pegs in the tabernacle had to rely on one another. And there's a lot of symbol, symbology there to where, you know, God expects you to rely on other believers you know, in a community. And so, you know, even using the, the, the study of the tabernacle to show that as a community, one, you enter through the door, you enter into his grace, and you have these different stages, you know, the altar, the holy of holies. All these are stages of approaching your holy God, right? You know, you have the community, which is, which is the ropes and the pegs, and that's the community of, of believers. You enter through, you know, sacrificing your sins, the altar, you know, repenting of your sins before you can approach a holy God. So the tabernacle is all constructed, and we can get into another podcast of this <laughs> another time, but there's a lot of, again, um, uh, learning that goes in the Scripture when you, when you apply these things and how it applies to just daily living, you know, relying on one another, you know, other believers. Um, and so, yeah, the enemy is trying to divide us, you know, in our own homes, even on, on a you know, Christmas event that are trying to divide you, you know. And again, we, we talked about the birth of Christ and, you know, the truer meaning, but most people celebrate Christmas as the birth of Christ from a world standpoint. So what is the enemy doing? Trying to divide you on the birth of Christ. I mean, how, how meaningful is that? Well, yeah, unbelievable. And, and that's the world that we live in right now. Wow, well said, well said. Um, you know, you being uh, a Marine for so many years and in the United States military, uh, you know what it means to be focused and have your mind aware and watch and sober. Jesus told us that we should be watching, that we should be sober, that we should be aware of our surrounding, what's going on. And when we look through that prism, if you will, the old saying Make sure you're doing, you know, being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. I think that's very critical uh, personally uh, for the times we're living in. Uh, Darren, as we get near to the end of our broadcast right now, was there anything else in your heart you'd like to share with our listeners to further equip or inform them about anything? Nothing in particular. I think we had a good conversation. Um, Me too. It's all impromptu. You know, I, uh, Vincent asked me pretty much last night, and yeah. we don't really have a, a topic to really talk about. And so, you know, all this is impromptu conversation. So it's, it's good. It's, it's energetic. And yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, me too. And, and it's the razor's edge. That's what we call it, the razor's edge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we appreciate the fact that, um, you know, that you're joining me on, on Thursdays. Pastor Jeff Bass will be with me on Friday. I love Kathy and Brian will be with us on Wednesdays. And it just seems that God is doing this. And I uh, just want to ask the body of Christ out there, because of these things, we will, uh, we have been removed from YouTube. Uh, we don't know how far Facebook is going to go. So we will probably, the only way to follow us will be on our website at omegaradio.org. 
along with Blog Talk Radio. They seem to be treating us very fairly. We've been with them a long time. Uh, They understand our heart. We're not just railing for the sake of railing. Uh, We're wanting to have a conversation in in the freedom of expression that we have. Uh, so right now, that's going to be the way to follow us, omegaradio.org. Uh, right now, Facebook is there, and um, we'll see where this all goes. But we want to make sure that we have the ability to do this right. So if you would be interested in supporting the radio uh, broadcast, supporting the ministry, you know how to do that. You can send a gift to the ministry right here on uh, – we have a Decatur, a P.O. Box 100, very easy – Uh, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. You could also give online at omegaradio.org. So a couple of ways you could support the ministry. Thank you for doing it. May God bless you and multiply your seed sown. Uh, Darren Chappelle, absolutely loved it, man. I appreciate you. God bless your heart. Thank you. You too. And by the way, am I allowed to say Merry Christmas or what do you think? (laughs) I think the official term is Happy Holiday. (laughs) Hey, oh, yeah, right, right. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, Shabbat Shalom. We love you. God bless you and your family. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Very good. That was a great conversation with uh, Darren. Uh, I wanted to, if there were questions or comments anybody had, uh, we've got about six minutes. We could take a question or comment if you're interested in doing so, whether it be on the, uh, in the chat room or in the blog talk radio but most likely i think the conversation went very well i appreciated it deeply and uh, just want to ask all of you to have an incredible uh day god bless you uh, lord willing we'll see you tomorrow we'll probably see you friday as well um wait a second today is thursday we'll see you tomorrow Pastor Jeff Bass will be joining me on the air then as well. I hope that what you heard today will support you and your continued preparations and knowing what time it is. Lots going on everywhere around the world. Till we meet again, this is Pastor Vince. Shalom. Have a super blessed day.